Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. <laughs> and I'm Aaron. You <laughs> slept today... right in there, didn't you, Boat? <laughs> the theme song ended qu- more quickly than I remember it ending. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, this week on Amigos, we're going to be talking about Laser Squad. Ooh. Okay. Now, Aaron, I know that you have a certain amount of experience with lasers. Most, That's right. Most specifically, lasers of the tag variety. And you yeah, sort of, I, and you sort of had a squad that you used to you used to roll up to the laser tag arena with. We um, did, yeah. Tell me about those days, Aaron. You know, we went to a uh, there's a there's a place there was a place in Lexington, Kentucky that was a big laser tag joint. I can't remember the official name of it, boat, but it was Laser Quest or some crap, you know. And this was a team arena where you went in there with your buddies and you all got the vest. These are the big industrial vests with the big gun. And you went in there, and it was dark, and it was like an old warehouse that they'd gutted. And they put a bunch of props up, and you ran around and played it. And it was a lot of fun. And I used to go there with my buddy Wes, and my uh, my buddy Rich, and my buddy the Chud. Mm. Everybody knows the Chud. The Chud took this stuff, like, deadly seriously. He didn't screw around, man. He was, he was diving over crap. <laughs> he was leaping under stuff. He was crawling. He was doing it all, you know? Now, if you tried to see him do that today it would be good for a laugh i don't think he's crawled or dove for a long time back then the chud was in excellent shape though he was a physical specimen yeah he well i think you're really i don't know if i'd go that far but yeah it was he he was something he was just out of his mind he's very competitive Mm -hmm. yeah we uh now you went over to rock lake at least a couple times didn't you aaron uh, I have been to Rock Lake today. I didn't know they had laser over there. They did. They, they had laser tag. This would have been probably while you were still living in Lexington. Um, but that's where I used to go and play with your brother and Jamie and that and that whole crew. And it is funny how laser tag tends to bring out the the physical and people that are not normally physical. Our buddy Jamie, hardly the most active person that we've ever known, turned into freaking commando when he'd play laser tag. He'd be doing the the chud, be crawling under stuff, leaping over barriers. Um, And I I still remember they would play just the Mortal Kombat music just on loop while you were playing laser tag. You got to have something like that to get you pumped. You mean like that was a, that was a great soundtrack? Yeah, I really, it was. It's a great that album. That first album was really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I will say, much like Chad, Jamie is incredibly competitive. Yeah. So I can see him doing that, mm-hmm. uh, not well, but I can see him doing it. <laughs> so Aaron, apart from being in a laser squad, did you ever you know harbor fantasies or did you ever do any experiments with lasers in your in your childhood? <laughs> No, <laughs> I just got, I, I, yeah, I the old were, man you, had a bunch you, of lasers the, sitting the, around. There was there the, it was before the days of the laser pointer, right? You know, when I was a kid, like lasers were this incredible futuristic mystery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I remember going to the Sternhold Regatta, and they would have the fireworks display, uh, but they also had the laser light show. Mm. You know, that was the big draw, right? Because you'd see them shooting lasers all over the place, and lasers were just cool. Yeah. They were futuristic. They were in Star Wars and stuff. You'd never seen that crap. And sadly, I remember the first time I saw like a laser pointer and stuff or a laser sight, I was like blown away. It's like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> you know, that, that seemed real futuristic and cool. Now it's just, you just point at stuff with them. They're yeah. not quite as cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what is cool this week, Aaron. It's what's been going on over at everythingamiga.com. I agree, a boaster. It was a, it was not a uh, uh, super busy week on our YouTube, but our at everythingamiga.com, we did get some good sweet action from our good buddy Jack Flack. Yes, everyone loves Jack, and he's back this time. Looking at a game, <laughs> have you heard of this game? I had never heard of this before, so this was very interesting to me as I read this I review. Me either. Task times in Tone Town. <laughs> I have, 
<laughs> never heard of this. I will say I looked through this, uh, and uh, the I love the uh, I love the menu on this. We talk about this all the time with these graphical menus for these for these sorts of adventure games. Mm-hmm. This one is incredibly graphic in terms of. Well, I mean, but it, it instantly it, it, tells you what to do. Right. This is this is just like all of those, you know, European games like Settlers, where they're afraid to put any English on the yeah. on the screen, and so. Yeah, yeah. But however, this game is half, you know, and so I guess it would have been easy to translate. But this is definitely a graphical user interface for sure. Yeah, you got that right. But uh, the uh, of course, this is your classic again in the Dreamcatcher storyline. Half the screen are taken up with these immense icons to tell you what's going on. Uh, reading this article, though, Flight goes into some of the pitfalls of the, of the games of that era, including the you-get-killed-a-lot scenario and the ever-popular you-forgot-to-pick-something-up-earlier-and-now-you're-screwed right. scenario, <laughs> which I believe you just talked about this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember hearing you talk about that on This Week in Retro. Yeah. So nobody misses that stuff. Uh, so uh, these are the kind of adventures. They're not for the faint of heart, and they're the kind that are, are really... The true fans of the genre are probably the only ones going back and playing these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I, I I feel like I got as much enjoyment uh, that I'm going to get out of this game by reading Flax review. So yeah, uh, if if you haven't been over to everythingamiga.com lately, check it out. It's a, a fantastic article. Flax, uh, an awesome writer, and uh, everything he does is gold. I do like the uh, Bandit Galligator. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I just does he really need when, a mask, or is that just? It looks like he's wearing a little bandit mask. I just hope that whenever we get to the future portrayed in this game, that there's as much pink as there is there is portrayed on the screen. Because yeah. I can't wait for 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 me to don my pink jumpsuit, my pink sunglasses, <laughs> and my pink hair. Yeah, that's in the future what you I'm going to have hair. Oh Lord, <laughs> yeah, dream on, pal. <laughs> and that's what we had cooking over at everythingamiga.com. Now. Let's move over to what we had cooking this week on YouTube, Boat. Mm, yes. It was a light it was a light week, mm. uh, Boatster, but we did have a couple items here. Let's talk about uh and this is certainly Amiga related. Let's talk about last week's ARG Presents. Yes. And this time around we looked at the Commodore CDTV uh, boat. Uh did you did you catch this particular episode? I did. I did. You know, I think that of every you know, I've I listened to I've listened to every episode that you've ever done of ARG Presents, except for that Xbox episode. I couldn't make it through; it was so bad. But everything else I've listened to, this is the most negative I believe you guys have ever been about a system. So only Amiga <laughs> makes it possible. Well, listen, you know, I, as I mentioned on the show last week, I w- I wanted to play a CDTV title that I owned. It just so happens that I owned. The, one of the world's most garbage titles. <laughs> Thank you, Ravi, for sitting across. It's hard to believe this got sent across the pond mm-hmm. to be a, to be featured on our show. But yes, we looked at uh, a couple real duds: Ultimate Basketball and Psycho Killer. Ultimate Basketball really went out of its way to suck, and Psycho Killer <laughs> it it knew it was sucking and it, embr- it embraced the suck big time. But uh, it was interesting. I learned a lot about the CDTV uh, boatster. And so if that's your bag or you just want to hear Brent blow up several gaskets, Brent went on a a, a rant that even I saluted. It was (laughs) he he lost his mind on that one. So I should mention that uh, uh, this week we'll be be doing the ZX81, which uh, we've got a lot of interest in that. Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, if that's your cup of tea, uh, pop in and join us live over at... uh, ARG Presents will be broadcasting on Twitch on the uh, channel, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Boaster. Now, we had another glorious, glorious edition of Sprite Castle this week mm-hmm. from Jack Flack. And he's playing a game that, boy, I hadn't even thought about this game for a long time, Boat. And the game is Sammy Lightfoot. Do you remember right. this one? Well, it's funny because, not first of all, no. I, I've never played this. But two... Um, when he was describing it, I always make sure and whatever, whatever, whether it's ARG or whether it's Broadcastle, I always listen to the podcast first because half the fun to me is imagining what you guys are describing. And then I go back and I look at the videos. I was expecting something along the lines of Circus Charlie, you know, the the way he was describing it. And it sort of is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's in that same vein. Uh, It doesn't look too bad, but he's, he's right. This definitely does not make use of the full graphical capabilities of the C64. 
it's funny because I thought it looked pretty good. Really? I remember I, when I was a young man, I, did this get an Atari port boat? Do you recall? I don't think so. I feel like I would have heard about it if it did. I don't know where I played this the first time, but I remember thinking, man, good graphics. And it's at a, a car. That's at a, a circus. This is this is gold here. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember really enjoying this one. And I actually went back and gave this a shot this week. And I still enjoy it. It's pretty fun. You know, I like platformers. I like the circus. Enough mm-hmm. said. You yeah. know, it's got everything I like in it. So uh, uh, I enjoyed it, Boat. I, I think it's a good one. And, of course, uh, I want to mention that uh, if you're a Jack Flack uh, fan, uh, that next week he'll be releasing the Sprite Castle for uh, Sammy Lightfoot. And uh, if you want to uh, check out his other show, you don't know Flack, uh, that was a great episode last week on bikes. So he's got some good stuff cooking. Uh, boat over awesome. at his at his uh, and we, we also should mention that uh, Pixel Guide in just dropped its newest release over on our network feed. So if you are subscribed to the Amigos Retro Gaming Network feed, you can check it out this week. They're talking about the best zombie games, and my personal favorite segment is where uh, Eric gives his impressions of the bare metal C sixty four, the BMC sixty four, I think it's called. Um, that have you have you heard much about the BMC sixty four, Aaron? Uh, this is the is this the Raspberry Pi build thing? Yeah, this is the this I, is. I've heard Flack talk about it. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a um, the thing that makes it exciting to me is number one, uh, it, it's not built on top of Raspbian, so you, it just loads straight up into a vice. And number two, they make a header board that plugs into your Raspberry Pi that allows you to hook up, you know, everything. It's it's basically sort of what you did with the key raw and all that stuff, except it also allows you to use all the peripherals that, you know, all the, the regular peripherals and everything like that. It's a really, really neat thing that I didn't know existed. Um, and it was pretty cheap, too. I think he said it was like 40 or 60 bucks. So if you've got a, a dead C64 laying around and a Raspberry Pi, you can get this header board. And it basically, it's a, it's a very un-Amiga-like situation where it just goes into the case and boom, you're you're set to go pretty slick but i had to check into that i like that kind of stuff and that, that sounds pretty neat and that's all we got for youtube action boaster all right it's time aaron let's talk about the amiga news of the week there he is aaron the robot the gamble train they've all convened to bring you the biggest story of 2020 that may not be happening until 2021 aaron there is a new Amiga on the horizon. And after five years of endlessly debating this on this very podcast, I believe that we are finally going to see the Amiga Mini. I knew it. I knew it. I've been saying this since Trump Street, uh, Boatster. And uh, I think there's a, there's a, listen, the, the, the C64 and the C64 Mini sold well, very well. Mm-hmm. I think Retro Games Limited did real well on those. And so it's logical to take it the next step. Um, I have no doubt this is going to get shipped. I think it will be available in the States, which I know you don't. No. And I think I also think that it, it will almost certainly use v- almost the exact same stuff that's in the, C- the, the C64 and the 64 Mini. Because when it comes to these uh, sort of machines, they're, they're built with, with that in mind. Uh, it's the same way that the, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo minis could sort of run other stuff because they're mm-hmm. they're they're way ahead of what they're needing to run. And again, this I don't think you're going to need very uh, tough hardware to run old Amiga stuff. I just don't think it'll be a problem. Uh, I suspect you're looking at a shell and some baloney strapped around it and a front end, and you're good to go. So I don't think there's even going to be a lot of turnaround time getting this thing made. To be honest with you, um, what will be interesting is what kind of licensing they get. And what kind of, uh, uh, it's easy to make a full C64, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Putting together a working uh, Amiga, say, 500, uh, that's a whole different ball of wax, as we know. Uh, it's I don't, I don't know if we're going to get that sort of functionality from this. What do you think? Oh, I think we're going to get all the functionality. Remember, just because it's in an A500 shell... I mean, it would be it would be the dumbest thing in the world if they decided to limit it to only to artificially limit it to only be have the power of the 500. This thing's going to have a, a you know a board in it that's an FPGA or whatever or just a system on a chip, and it's going to be able to be it's going to be more powerful than the most you know powerful Amiga ever released. Um, it's going to have full compatibility with everything. 
Um, the the issue is is how easy are they going to make it to add games? You know, obviously they're not going to have WHG load because that they that, that is that would be a licensing nightmare. But you know, I'm sure that they'll do ADFs. I'm sure they'll be automatic disk switching. Um, and you know, if they if they put a USB port in here that basically acts you know as a file transfer system, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, I think that this is going to sell because well for two reasons. One, because it's Amiga and people that are fans of the Amiga have been known to buy literally everything that comes out that is for the Amiga. And two, prices of Amigas are going up. Um, you know, even in Europe where you can, uh, you can swing a cat and hit 15 Amiga 500s, uh, the prices are starting to creep up, especially for non 500 Amigas, you know, for 1200s or don't even get me started on the big box Amigas. So if they can get this thing out the door, for under, say, 200 bucks, uh, I think they're going to have something. Now, will this see release in the United States? I really doubt it. I mean, the Amiga was just such a non-factor here. In, you know, in terms of gaming, uh, nobody had one. I mean, it was it was completely, you know, not apparent in the scene at all. The people that did use Amigas were using them for practical applications. Uh, you can see that in the, 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 the releases, how, you know, there's so many more power releases than NTSC releases. Um, you can see it in the fact that I never saw an Amiga in my life until we started the show. So... Um, I really, really doubt that they're going to take a chance on something like this, especially given the C64, which was a massive success in the United States. It still took them a year to get up the gumption to, to deliver it to the States. So I think you're going to end up having to import this thing if you are in the States and you're interested. I, I'm going to disagree with you on a lot of that stuff, but I'll tell you why. Uh, and I'm not saying that what you said can't happen or is it going to happen, but it would surprise me. And I'll tell you why. Uh, when it comes to full-blown emula emulated Amiga, uh, which is what we're talking about here, uh, to do that properly, listen, I've got an FPGA here, which is this, which the uh, Amiga that we're talking about will not have. Okay, how do you know and that though? How do you know the, that the cost. How do you know that him and 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 the Retro Games Limited aren't mixing it up with your boy Edu and and putting an Amiga in there? Well, Edu's already in bed with Steven. So I, I doubt that. Plus, it's just a cost thing. I, I don't think. Okay, let me let me put. I don't think these are going to have the FPG out. That that mean it won't, but I don't think it will. I think it'll be running on similar hardware that was in the C sixty four, some kind of ARM based gimmick, right? And um, Amiga does have emulation on ARM, but it's not. I mean, it's not a hundred percent. And so that makes me wonder. Because when you go into the C64 is a lot more rock solid emulation wise than the Amiga oh, is. Yeah, yeah. And so then you're going into the realm of, uh, you know, weirdness. Uh, and I just don't, I don't know if they're going to try to pull that trick. It would be, I would love to see it, but I would be surprised. Uh, so reason, you're saying, you're saying that this thing will not have AGA support. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it won't have the ability to for you to just use it like a normal Amiga and boot up the desktop and all that jive. I think it'll be more like a Super Nintendo Mini. It'll you'll be able to boot up and play some Amiga games, but I don't think you're going to be playing. I don't think you're going to be in there messing around with uh, uh, with Workbench and what. But isn't isn't Workbench just a program like a game would be? Well, I think you're missing my point here. I don't think they're going to go that far because I think it's going to be a, a too difficult emulation wise. I don't think it's I don't think that it's solid enough to do that. How is it more difficult? This is a serious question. How is it more difficult to simulate Workbench than it is to simulate a game? You know, they're I was both using just Workbench as an example, but I don't mean that it couldn't run. Work. What I'm saying is there are so many variables with the Amiga. We know this, for God's sakes. I don't think. There, I don't think there is a, uh, a perfect solution for simulation or emulation of the Amiga right now. And certainly the ARM branch of this isn't going to do it. That's not to say it's not pretty darn good, but it's there, it, there, I just don't see it happening. I would be surprised. I, that's not saying they won't try it, but I would be surprised. I think what you're going to get here is a bunch of Amiga games in a little playable Amiga. I don't think I think I'm, I'm aiming low uh, boat on that. I don't think you're going to get a C64. I've seen a lot of people saying if they didn't have a working keyboard, they're not interested. They may not be interested. That's just a guess. That's just an educated guess by so you're, your boy. You, you think you think that the Amiga Mini, at least in its first incarnation, they're going to go the same route as the C64, where they're going to release a version that lit is like you know a quarter of the size, doesn't have a working keyboard, that sort of thing. 
Well, I, I think it's going to be even more limited. It's going to be just like that. Plus, I mean, in fact, they may release one with a, a keyboard, but I wouldn't. I would release a small one with no keyboard and that that you can't use as an Amiga. It just plays Amiga games. That's what I would do. Because I just don't. Because- I, I don't know how you can build a system that does that. I mean, uh, you, you, even when you load Amiga games, you still see the workbench screen pop up behind there. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is you. You're still, you're, it's still going to be in there, okay? And maybe they'll make it so you can unlock it or something. But it, you're going to have games that you're only going to have this thing play the games that you know will work properly. Does that make any sense? Sure, they can do gonna, that. And it's going to be, it's going to be a walled garden. <clears throat> They're going to provide you, say, you know, I don't know, forty Amiga games or fifty or whatever mm-hmm. they can put, stick on there, and then that's what you get. Right. Uh, I think I think that's and there are, and there are plenty of games out there that don't require you to have a keyboard, or they can work around like they did with the the C the C sixty four mini where you use the joystick to do a lot of the stuff, yeah. Yeah. you know, with a virtual keyboard. That stuff's all that stuff's yeah. all doable. Yeah, that's I wonder guess. if they're I wonder if they're going to ship the C sixty four joy the C sixty four mini slash the sixty four joystick. You know that that same stick, or if they're going to make a more of an Amiga, you know, beige looking one, even though it wouldn't be really period accurate, it will at least match the color scheme of the system. Listen, if it's me, and I, and I think I, I can look at this from a business perspective, why reinvent the wheel? Their second generation joystick for the sixty four was well mm-hmm. received. Yes, it would mm-hmm. do exactly what you need. Plus, you've got an onboard keyboard. They know right. what they're doing over there. They put that carousel front end on it. Do you provide ADF support? Where I mean, you could. I, I'll probably. It's they're in a tight spot because they made the C sixty four so versatile. Mm-hmm. But the Amiga is a different kettle of fish. I I would be surprised. That's again. Yeah. That's not saying it won't happen, but it would surprise me. I, I can look, totally see. I can totally see your point. It just you know it becomes a question of. Um, do they do they have they done any market research to see what people that are going to buy this thing actually want and is that something that people actually want just something that plays the games and, and maybe it is it just seems like all the amiga people we know and maybe it's because we're so you know insulated in our little bubble but all the amiga people we know are tinkering type people and they love getting in there and doing stuff you know well i'll look at this and you may not agree with me on this one either but i'll look at this from a perspective of let we talked i saw you guys on on the uh, uh, this week at Retro, talk about the uh, Sega handheld mini that just re- mm-hmm. that just released, right? The Amiga is sets in a very similar situation, and I'll t- explain what I mean by that. If you had an Amiga uh, plug-and-play console, which is what I'm discussing here, then what you've got is, and this is why you could sell it in the States, because it's a, it, what you've got at that point is a novelty. And mm-hmm. one thing that, one thing collectors have shown is that they will go out and they will pick up these novelties. Whoops, ignore that robot. Uh, uh, but they will pick up these novelties. They will come out and and buy this stuff, even if they don't need it. How many people do you know that bought the CC the 64 Mini and just sits on their shelf? Yeah, Tons of people. I, you, and, I, and there's I agree enough of a niche in America with Amiga supporters that they'll... I mean, I don't know how many 64s they sold, but I'd say they did okay. But you don't have to sell... I mean, you only have to affect a small percentage of the American... Uh, buying public to make pretty good money. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I think it'll get a release in, in the States too. It probably okay. will be a year later, but okay. yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll get a release. It's, it's a very fascinating boat. You know, we talked about the uh, PC mini years ago. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, which it never came out and you could sort of see why, because that was a tough concept to pull off. Right. Uh, but I think that should have been released in the same way. This should be released with a set number of games that you've got licensed that you could put together that you know are going to run on the console. I think you can make some money. And I'm thinking both that somewhere down the line before this ships, <clears throat> we should do a uh, 30 games that must appear on the Amiga mini episode. I think that'd be a lot of fun to, to cobble together a list on that. But we should definitely do that. That sounds like a fantastic idea. All right. We've got one more story here, Boat. I know this one's near and dear to you. The making of Monkey Island. Yeah, so Monkey Island turns 30. Uh, This is insane to me because when I first saw this, I was like, there's no way Monkey Island came out in 1980. It's much newer. Then I realized 30 years ago was not 1980 at all. It was 1990 because (laughs) time has passed. I laughed my um, butt off at that. Yeah, I felt the same way. And when you said it, I'm like, dang, he's right. And then I was like, oh, he's right. <laughs> same thing. This guy uh, on a retro tip 
is uh, has has made a, a full feature length, an hour and 22 minutes long uh, documentary on the making of Mon- Monkey Island. I've not had a chance to watch this whole thing, but I've skipped around and he basically has all of the major players. You know, Ron Gilbert's here. Um, all of the guys that Mark Ferrari, the guy that did the graphics, they're all here. They're all giving their comments on things. This is like the most exhaustive treatment Monkey Island has ever gotten before. And, you know, Neil actually, uh, I think that he's he's uh, contributed some footage and he might even make an appearance somewhere in this. So uh, if you want to see uh, RMC large and in charge and part of this thing, uh, make sure you do it. Uh, but uh, definitely check this out. This thing only has 24,000 views. This thing deserves 24 million views because it's so well done. And of course, I love Monkey Island, my all time favorite point and click graphic adventure game. So uh, if you if you if you are a fan, too, of uh, classic LucasArts games and you want to see uh, a documentary based on Monkey Island, make sure you check this out uh, again. It is on a retro tip. That is the name of the YouTube channel. This is available in full. It's not being kickstarted. It's already ready already. This is uh, the making of Monkey Island. That is brutal. Thirty years. That really. That really. Because yeah. I remember when Monkey Island came out. That's what makes it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, and it really did. It was. It was sort of was a genre changing uh, event when that when Lucasfilms when LucasArts got into that sort of adventure gaming. They really did sort of. They sort of. There was a shift in the way things were going. It wasn't their boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were starting to tire of the Sierra sort of way of doing things, which is, you know, you have a point system. You're trying to get the maximum amount of points. Uh, You really have to pay attention to what you're doing because you'll die if you don't. And then you've got to restart. Uh, Like we were talking about before, like if you forget to pick up an item and then you go to a new area, sometimes it's impossible to get back there. What Monkey Island did and what actually I think really starting with Monkey Island, because Maniac Mansion had some of that stuff, too, was that they basically just said, do whatever you want. You know, feel free to explore. This is also when you had really expanded dialogue trees like in Sierra games. You know, you'd have a bunch of characters with sort of quippy one liners, but you didn't really have dialogue trees. I think Monkey Island was probably one of the first games to really, you know, combine a graphical adventure, a point and click game with really in-depth dialogue, and it was hilarious. The graphics were, I mean, unbelievably good. I mean, we're talking about the, some of the best pixel art of all time in the Monkey Island game. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan, to say the least. Were, let me ask you a question while we're on the subject. Were, were you playing a ton of graphical adventure games before the Lucas stuff came out? or Did they interest you then, and you were just like, when it came out, you just couldn't believe the difference? Or was this, you weren't that big into it at, for, at first? How did it so go I, down? I came really late to this, actually. Um, when I was a kid, you know, I played King's Quest. I played Leisure Suit Larry. Um, and then uh, the period where Monkey Island came out was during the period where I was exclusively a console gamer. Because remember, my parents had an IBM XT computer and they kept that all the way up until 1995. So, like, there was a huge gap in which there was stuff going on in the PC world that I didn't know about. And uh, and so I missed Monkey Island. And when when my parents got this new machine, I bought King's Quest VI CD-ROM game. And it was more the same. You know, I remember distinctly, you go to this island and you have to pick up an axe. The axe is laying on a tree. If you don't get it, you leave the island and you can't come back. And if you save your game not knowing it, you've got to start completely over. So it's just a horrible, horrible experience. Um, and uh, that really put me off point and click adventure games for a long time. Uh, when I was living in uh, Virginia Beach uh, in probably 2006 or so, uh, that was when I started really getting into computer emulation and I discovered the Scum VM engine. And the first game that I played, because I'd heard so much about it, was The Secret of Monkey Island. And I just fell in love with it and I, I beat it through Scum VM. Yeah. I mean, could, would you say would you say it's the all time most beloved game of that of that genre i don't know it's hard to say because more beloved people like day of the tentacle a whole whole lot um people like grim fandango a whole lot um i would say it's definitely top five i would say there's more love for monkey island than any of the sierra games i think people tend to have like fond memories of playing sierra games but i wouldn't i think there are probably more people that would say the monkey island games are just sort of like the apex of the they they brought the genre forward 
I thought I thought Maniac Mansion was also pivotal in that as well. I thought that was that's one I would put on that list. It was yeah, that I mean obviously it 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 had some problems, you know, mechanically, but uh it definitely it was it was a different way of doing a point and click adventure game and it was it was a, a really neat way of doing things that wasn't your standard King's Quest formula. Very good. Very good, boat. Well, without further ado, Mr. Boat, shall we take the big dive? I'm ready to join your laser squad, man. Oh, man. <laughs> You're going to be dead real quick, Boat, <laughs> in my laser squad. We brought laser pointers instead of guns. <laughs> Let's get into it, Boat. Game of the week this week, and we knew it was coming. Uh, this reminds me of that scene in Monty Python where the guards are watching that guy run from off in the distance, and he runs and runs and runs, and suddenly he's up on top of him, and he's beating the tar out of him. <laughs> That's the way I felt when this game was here. I could see it coming, and when it got here, it beat me down, Boat. Uh, so, this is Laser Squad, uh, released in 89 uh, on a disc. This was a uh, game developed by Teak for the Amiga. Uh, of course, uh, a game that uh, was famously pinned out by uh, Julian Gollop. Geez, how many of his games have we looked at now, Boat? Can you name them all? I think we've. I think this is the last one. I think. I think you're right. One I, might there, say, I, know, "I hope it is the last one." I know there's another game on the on the Specky we haven't looked at that he did, mm -hmm. uh, but I think we've done everything on the Amiga, uh, and. <laughs> I will say you can absolutely see the prog the progression of his games because one of his games is one of my all time favorites. And then it, it, the harder they get, the more head scratching it is for me. So um, this game coded by John Scott, uh, graphics by Jason Wilson, Mark Edwards, and Mark Harrop, and the music by Matt Furness. And I will say uh, I did like some of the tunes in this yeah. while we're on the subject of the music. Uh, this ran on the OCS. Uh, this game got a, a ludicrous amount of conversions, Boat. I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. Uh, you had an Amstrad. You had a uh, Atari ST, C64, the NEC PC-98, DOS, the Spectrum, uh, the, many different versions. You also had, a, the, of course, they had a, a VGA release as well, which I think was separate from the original DOS release. Don't hold me to, hold me to that. Um, so what it is... This game. Well, if you've played any of Julian's previous games, you've probably got a decent idea of what you're in for here. Uh, there's not a there's not a ton of backstory to this, uh, but you are a laser squad. You're a, running a laser squad, which is basically just a bunch of troops, and you're trying to take down. Uh, well, uh, there are um, uh, different scenarios you're going to go after, but what you're looking at here is a uh, a uh, turn based strategy like weapon warfare game where you're mm -hmm. in, in, on a small scale troop by troop movement across a map to reach an objective boat. Um, this has, you know, I think the first game we ever played from uh, Julian would have probably been, um, uh, what, what, what was the first one? We, was, did, uh, we, we, I'm sure we, I think we did chaos first. I was wondering if we did chaos before we did. Uh, I think we before, did chaos before XCOM. Yeah. Chaos, if you look at Chaos, which is a similar game where you take, uh, you are a wizard and you send out troops and you control each of the individual monsters you send out to go kill the other wizards and their monsters. Pretty simple stuff, but I remember, I think it had eight players. Mm -hmm. uh, this game uh, is sort of similar, except in this one, you're controlling every minute detail of every troop. It is unbelievable the depth that's in here, Boat. Uh, you told me you had a good hard look at the manual. Can you offer some insight into the various options that are available in this thing? Well, this is basically a, you know, an extension of, I would say, you know, it's very, very similar to Lords of Chaos in the way that the game is drawn. Um, yes. The, uh, at the beginning of the game, you, you have your squad and you outfit them with armor. And then you choose what weapons and what ammunition and, you know, what 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 they're going to carry. And then you place your your guys on the on the battlefield. There's there are missions there. Are, I think there are five or six missions and each mission is unique. So in some missions, your object like in the, the, the object of the first mission is to assassinate this dude that's hanging out in his house and avoid his uh, his his drones, his droids. Uh, there's a mission where you have to rescue your buddy. One of your, you know, some of your squad members are in cells and you've got to blow them out. So there are different missions with different objectives. 
And what you have to do is it's a combination of outfitting your your squad with the right weapons and armor, uh, you know, suited to the particular mission that you're on. Um, That's basically the long and the short of the game. Yeah, there are according uh, there are five missions, five missions in the Amiga version. Now, some of the other uh, some of the other uh, ports of this got uh, an expansion. And it's actually mentioned, but the Amiga apparently never got the expansion, which that kind of surprised me. I don't know if that came down to sales or you know who knows what. Uh, but uh, they, you've got you're right. Different missions. You have to arm your guys and arm them different ways. You have so many uh, credits to spend getting your troops ready to go. It's very right? role playing game esque. It, it, it is. It reminds me a little bit of like say like a Champions, where mm-hmm. you have a certain amount of points to create your character. Now. What you have to do on these, uh, because well, I will say I played this game at first with, without having the manual <laughs> nearby. Bad idea. And yeah, you can't do anything. I couldn't even tell which buttons did what. I mm-hmm. couldn't even tell what buttons made the cursor move. Uh, you get a few options with the way this thing moves, but I was surprised. I don't. I, I'll, I'm just gonna go out of the gate and say it. I don't like the way this game controls. Okay, it's let real. me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you say? So did you use the keyboard or the joystick? I did. I used the keyboard. Okay, that was your biggest mistake because well, I, this game controls like a dream with the joystick. I've always used the keyboard for these games, though. Well, wherever yeah, that, I can. You, then you, listen, you, I, I, it's a chaos. You should have. You should have <laughs> gone. The, you should have gone the joystick <laughs> way. You would have had a much better time with this game. Well, I, once I understood what the once I found out what the keyboard commands were, it was no problem. There's also something. There's a. There's one command you need to learn right away, and that's the command to turn off the background music, because that. <laughs> yeah, that I just muted it in FSUAE. It gets think, it gets old quick. I believe it's F. Uh, I believe it was like uh, F5 or something. But you can only do it before the game starts. Once the game actually starts, you're you're boned. You're stuck with whatever you got. And I liked it with just the effects, but the music. And I liked the music, but it got old real it, yeah, quick. Yeah, that's that's. True. Uh, getting back to what you said, yes, this does. This is very similar graphically uh, to the previous game, the uh, which is okay. I mean, the graphics are no great shapes, but this is the kind of game where they're more utilitarian than they are anything else. They 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 do a good job of telling you what you're looking at, and then also the, on the side of the screen, the the terrain is spelled out whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you're on it. So which is that's that's pretty handy. Uh, like Boat said, you outfit your guys depending on the mission. Then you go in. So, I, like on the first mission, for example, you're going in there to, to kill a sucker, all right? And so you get your squad together. Now, right out of the gate, uh, when this thing's booting up, one thing I noticed uh, was that it was uh, this had uh, the ability to be played by two people. Right. That would that would probably be more fun. I would say. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Now you do have to, and the the instruction book spells this out, but it should go without saying that if you're playing this with two people, one person sort of has to leave the area yeah. while the other person's making their move because you want the element of surprise to be there. But having the ability for one person to control the quote unquote good guys and the other person to do the bad guys, fantastic. This that would that would give this game a tremendous lease on life. Yeah. Uh, Again, in the same tradition of say an XCOM or whatever, you uh, when you when it comes to actually moving your your uh, your guys around the, the field of play, you've got action points, mm-hmm. right? You use action points for everything, including rotating the direction yes. of your guys. Yes, uh, there and and it, it seems like when you when you look at your, your action points, you're like, oh, I got tons of action points. You don't. No, <laughs> you, you because don't the the way that this works is your your movement and everything doesn't work on actual like numbers of points. It works on percentages of points. So like certain things will be like twenty five percent of your action points. You know, are are dependent upon this, and not everything is like that. But some of the stuff is like that and one of the frustrating things to me about this game is because uh there's no way to sort of remake your move uh like you can just like rotate in like okay here i just i just really sold the joystick control one thing that i could the part i was wondering about one thing that i i well you you basically the way it works is that right and left rotate you Right. And up and down move you either forward or backward, depending on what direction you're facing. That's the same way the keyboard works. So, yeah, yeah tank, almost like tank control. Yeah. And yeah. so, but sometimes I would just forget and I would waste action points by just re- rotating myself around like a fool. You know? Oh, yes. I did that too. And, almost and or going to rotate the wrong direction right which I did and, all the time and they tell you you know in the manual they're like make sure that you don't spend more than half of your your points per turn because you're going to need to use what's known as opportunity fire if an enemy pops out you can shoot him with your remaining points right however 
I am very, very impatient. And I want to get into the action as soon as possible. So I was I was burning all those points like nobody's business. Yeah, it. it this game is funny <clears throat> because. I mean, we've played enough of these games now to where I, I, I felt like I at least had a grip on the concept of what I was doing. OK, for once. Uh, so you plop your guys down first. You've got they give you deployment sectors where you can put your troops. That's the way the game starts. You put them down. Whatever you pick for their weapons, just get them armed up, all right? And then usually about the second round, it's time to boogie, all right? These maps are, at least the maps I tried, were very big, okay? And so, and of course, uh, I'm sure someone smarter and more strategic than I am would put deploy their troops in certain spots to maximize their effectiveness. Not me. I just sprinkle them liberally around the map. But, mm-hmm. And so... Okay, the, I'm going to stop you right there yeah. because now we run into one of the flaws of the game. Okay, please. I wish this game would give you more information up front about who's good at what. Okay. So like in the, in the beginning of the game, when you're picking your weapons and your armor for each one of your troops, it would be nice to know which one of these troops is good at close combat or which one is good at, you know, sniping or whatever. And all those statistics are available. Once you start the game, after you choose their weapons and stuff. So what you have to do is you have to go into the game you have to write down all that stuff, then go back out, start a new game, and put all that stuff into place. It's a it's a huge oversight. Um, I also don't like the the fact that you know once you choose your armor, because when you're when you're armoring up, you're spending the same credits that you use when you use your weapons. If you've if you've accidentally over armored and you can't equip the, your guys the way that you want, there's no way to back back out of that. So I wish that they would give you more information about your guys' vitals at the beginning and give you the ability to back out and just re-roll your your statistics. So I just wanted to mention that. Well, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I would have skipped right over it. And that, that you've got a couple points here I want to talk about. When you again, when you get your troops, you know, I wondered about that myself. If there was a way to actually. And if there's a way to do it, I don't know it, but a way to look at your guys' stats as before you arm them. You're right. That is a real negative. And I, I looked at the manual that I had, and I didn't see anything in there. And also, you've got a point there about when you're when you're getting your guys armed and, and armored up. Yeah, if you botch it, you're boned. I couldn't figure out a way to get it to go back and let you fix it, uh, which is, uh, I mean, come on. What are we doing here? That mm-hmm. And I botched them all the time. To the point where I just have to start the game over, you know, or my yeah. save point and, or And the problem is, is that this is just not a very quick game to get into. This is a very cerebral game. They expect you to take your time and, and do all this stuff. And, and, and they give you a ton of control. Um, but uh, when you mess something up, it's just it's just so frustrating to have to go back to the beginning and do all this stuff over again. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. What I would love to have in this game, they should just have like, they can even call it baby mode. You know, video games are really good at patronizing players that don't have elite levels of skills. So they can call it baby mode and they should just give you recommended loadouts for all your guys. Say, hey, is this your first game? We're going to give you this stuff and you've got a pretty good chance to take this guy out. Learn the mechanics. Have some fun. If you want to get a better score, if you want to do it more effectively, feel free to rearm your guys in a way that you feel would be better. Well, I, I again, I, I agree with you fully on that. I kept thinking to myself, man, I I would I wish someone would hold my hand just for a few minutes and walk along the path. It's funny when you look at the this is an old school game, all right? And old school games, they didn't they didn't help you, they punished ignorance. And right. that's what this game does. Because it basically it spells out in the manual what you need to get going. Mm-hmm. And but they, it's they leave it to either like listen, we wrote this down. Figure it out. They don't right. have, like you said, there's not going to give you no help. And uh, so what's that mean? Well, what that means is if you're a dumb guy from 2020 who's trying to play this game, they have no patience for your stupidity. Just figure it out. And so I didn't figure it out. I just had to guess. You know, so I gave my guys all kinds of crazy weapons and armor until I just ran out of money. And so the last poor suckers, they were they were fodder. <laughs> they were registered. They just got sent out to get killed. You know, so... Once you actually get into the game proper and you're moving your guys around, you're going to come into situations, and this is just like XCOM, Boat. Uh, it's a very, the apple didn't fall far from the tree with XCOM. You get into the, the kind of neat and really sort of complicated 
levels of combat in both, and really particularly in, in uh, terms of projectile weapons and beam weapons, where a line of sight comes into play. Uh, and you go into, when you're targeting uh, people in this, you get it, you go into this sort of like real barren kind of targeting map where you target your guys. And it's amazing. <clears throat> it's amazing how uh, far and accurate the computer can shoot you from. Mm-hmm. I mean, out an open door, down a path, you're in the woods. If he can right. see you at all, and they're taking these crazy shots, and a lot of times they would they would be nicking me, and I wouldn't even know there was a guy there. You know, mm-hmm. it was one thing. So the that game, was also one thing the game doesn't make abundantly clear enough is that they expect you to know that part of your job is to be able to fire through windows and through open doors. Because after reading the manual, I was like, okay, I want to play Laser Squad. The manual even tells you, it's like, don't send guys out alone, team up. So I was like, all right, I want to create the ultimate team. So I dumped all my guys in one spot. We all went through a door. We sat there. Then a droid rolls up and just blasts us all away. And I was like, oh, this is a fun game. So, you know, then I watched a YouTube playthrough and I realized I was doing it all wrong. You know, you're supposed to surround this house. You're supposed to, you know, investigate, basically just erase the fog of war bit by bit until you figure out where this guy is. Then move far away, then fire through the window using the trick. I'm sure you heard about the trick where you can line up the angle and you actually shoot well behind your target. And that increases your accuracy. Uh, and so no, I didn't know that trick. <laughs> yeah. And, and so basically, this is just yet another example is even after reading the documentation, I would have been totally lost as a as a player back in the day. Only after watching some YouTube videos of guys that know what they're doing, I was like, oh, OK, I, I see how this works. So uh, I, I just wish that they would have given you a little bit more overall strategic information about how you're supposed to approach each one of these missions. Yeah. I mean, you get a little blurb in the manual about what the missions are. Mm hmm. Uh, but uh, there, it's not like it's just what I would call mega detail. I mean, yeah. it gives you like you know, like for example, that one of the missions is a rescue mission, and one right. is an assassination mission, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's neat. Uh, as you roll through the many, many menus in this, you're going to come across stuff like, uh, for example, info, where you could actually this is where you can look at your soldier statistics, and they've got the statistics broken down in the you know co- constitution and and whatnot. There's also morale like how how happy or sad the guys are depending on the situation. My guys were sad all the time. Yeah, my guys were sad right <laughs> until they were dead. Then they were then they had nothing to say at that point. Uh, the the uh, and uh, you know these these statistics I'm sure to someone that knows what's going on were awesome but to me I was just like yeah they're there. To you know? me there were several statistics that bordered on unnecessary. Um, you know I, I'm good with you know give me morale's okay. Give me, you know, give me the, give me your, your offensive power, your defensive power, your overall morale and, 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 and something else. I don't know, but you know, there were like 10 different statistics here and that, that, that seemed like it was too much. And another thing is that be having to go to the info screen to see that that's no good. I want to talk yeah. a little bit, Aaron, we're going to go off the path for a second, please. So. I don't know if you had a chance to check out. Did you did you do any comparisons to the different versions of these games on other I, systems? No, I did not. I okay. did absolutely Well, I not. did. And I was sorry that I did because this is absolutely the worst version of this game to play. Absolutely the really? worst. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is basically a graphical port of the Spectrum version. If you look at the Spectrum version of this game, it looks exactly the same as the Amiga version. That is not something that you want to say about the Amiga version of any game, is that it looks like the Spectrum version. However, it's worse than the Spectrum game in a lot of ways. Uh, in the Spectrum version, you get your guys' stats on the same uh, the same menu when you select them, so you don't have to go into a separate menu to see their stats. Okay, They put it all right there out front for you. So you don't have to remember, oh, is this my close combat guy? Is this the guy that's good at taking shots from far away? They tell you that from the get-go on the main screen. Um, the version to play of this is the DOS version. The DOS version looks like a completely different game. It looks a lot more like the Sid Meier spy game that we played. So think about the graphical style of that game. Yeah. And I did uh, see stills of that one. I will say it. I could tell major differences. It looks like a modern computer game. 
Yeah. You know, this 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 does not look like a modern computer. Like I said, this looks like a ZX Spectrum game. I mean, the it colors does. and it, everything. It's very similar. So, uh, you know, this is just another example of a lazy Amiga port. And then the the VGA version, you know, the version that was going to sell the most copies got the most care. So um, uh, it's it's a shame because the Amiga obviously capable of so much more. Well, I mean, I, I having not seen the other ones, I can, I'll take your word for it. But, yes, I, I will say I was struck with the thought that this did look very specky like mm -hmm. but I, I sort of assumed that they all looked like that clearly not no so and of, and of course the pc was like that there's a vga version which is probably the one you were looking at mm -hmm. so uh but anyway to to put this to bed uh this is another one of those games that is it's too deep for a dumb guy to for me to mull through in a week but i having played enough of these i at least felt like i had a pretty good hand in it it's more the same if you like this style of game you're in heaven. This got all. I mean, there are plenty of options. If you know about the armaments and what missions, what guys you need for what missions and uh, whatnot, I think it's there's a lot of good fun to be had. Yeah, I think having having two players in this is awesome. That's really the that's the killer part of this game. Mm -hmm. Having multiple people. I was looking through the scenarios for what would what you did with two people, and it's neat because of course they've got different objectives. Uh, and and but that would be fun. So also, you would get a little added bonus if you could play. Uh, you get to play as the bad guy, for example, and, and which you don't normally get to do. So that would be kind of fun. Uh, I like that. I like the sound. Like I said the graphics were no great shakes, so that that could use work. I don't like the endless menu hopping. This is my biggest problem with all these games: is that mm -hmm. you're you're ciphering through and every all this ticky tacky stuff. Right now, I'll, you know, I'll tell you one thing. This is probably my favorite. No, Chaos is my favorite because it's one that I can understand. Yep. But um, of the other games, this is probably my favorite because it doesn't waste any time. You know, with UFO, you have to go through all that rigmarole of shooting down the UFO and stuff at the beginning. To right. me, that's not why anybody's playing these games. They're playing these games for the tactical action. And this yep. game just jumps you right in. You know, here's five scenarios. It doesn't happen linearly, so you can choose any of the five at any time. And it's just like, go for it. This is the action that you want. So I yep. like the fact that it gets you right in there right away. You can see why this is a fan favorite. Because, like you said, they sort of cut out. I mean, I don't see where XCOM is that much better than this. And when I say that, it's not an insult to XCOM. But like you said, there, I think there's some stuff in there that is sort of like, like icing on the cake, mm -hmm. but this right here is the cake in spades. Mm -hmm. If this is your type of game, you've got it. With all, and I've always heard that this one actually offers you more variety than than the other one does. Now, again, that your mileage may vary on how good you are at these games, uh, but uh, uh, you know, I, this, you can see why the fans like this one. But I mean, it is for someone coming back at it in 2020. I just, I'll, if you're gonna, I'd like to see uh, maybe an update of this game where they streamline the controls and get rid of some of the lamer parts. Mm -hmm. and give a sucker a break. How about a tutorial or something right. in this thing, just to give you a, a leg up? Because if you bought this thing, took it home, and tried to play it, I mean, you're and you've never played a game like this before, I mean, you're in for it. It's a steep learning curve, you know? And it was too steep for me. Luckily, like I said, we'd had just enough, I knew just enough to be dangerous, you know? But if you like... If you like the the uh, the, the turn-based, you know, squad-moving thing, this is going to be a real good deal for you. Just yeah, and I think for, for a lot of people that grew up, you know, playing, that for a lot of people, this was their first exposure to that. So they were going to have good memories of it. Or they played it at around the same time that XCOM came out. And so, you know... I'm not saying that this is a bad game by any means. Uh, I think that this is a much better game than Lords of Chaos. Um, it's just a, a better, well, more well thought out experience. Uh, it's just uh, it, 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 these sorts of games don't age particularly well. And I just don't have the patience to do the trial and error as far as loadouts and things like that go uh, that, you, that you have to have. Uh, this, is, this is a game, like I said, it's a very cerebral game. And I am not a very cerebral person. I will say I like Lords of Chaos better than this, and it's really? not because it, yeah, and there's a reason. It's not because it's a better game, but it's a simpler game, and it's it's close enough to being like the original Chaos to where I get the I get the jive, and I, and and but it's not there's not as much crap to keep track of as there is in this. This there's this right here jumped the shark for me in terms of 
uh, tracking stuff and trying to figure out what's going on. I, I think I liked Lord's Guest a little bit more, but that's just me. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a better game. Um, I looked up some uh, reviews on this thing, Boatster, as I often do. Uh, this thing has a Lemon score of 8.5, so pretty pretty good score on Lemon. Mm. Uh, the folks over at uh, Amiga Computing gave it an 84%. Amiga Format gave it a 93 uh, That's sort of the high water mark. Amiga Joker, they still they didn't hate it, but they gave it a 70%. Uh, Amiga Power gave it an 84%. Uh, AUI gave it an 8 out of 10, so again, 80% there. CU, 87 You can see these are all falling into that 80% range. Uh, the Games Machine gave it a 93 So you're looking at somewhere between you know 80 and 93 which that's probably fair, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I did look this up on eBay before we get to the Discord. And uh, you can get a copy of this, uh, but you're going to pay some bucks. They were going a couple of these sold for fifty two bucks US over in the UK. Uh, how do we do with Discord this week, Bo? Did we get any action? We did. We got one review. Uh, let's see. We got and it comes from Graham W. Vebke. Oh, I'm sorry. We got two reviews. Uh, so uh, Graham writes: If turn based strategy games are your thing, and you have played UFO Enemy Unknown before and enjoyed it, find some time and really play this. If this, it was this game's influence in five plus years of development to produce XCOM, and yet I still feel this game might be more approachable. The game encourages you to want to try different things with different squad hardware, and you soon soon learn some mechanics work better than others. The line of sight adds complexity, but the scanner gives a full field of view for better planning, and opportunity fire is just brilliant. Overall, if you like TBS games, I feel this is a must play, and I think you'll enjoy the music too. 8 out of 10. And Lord Soup just writes classic 9 out of 10. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I I, I have to say, it's uh, I can see the appeal. Too, too deep for old dummy. There you go, Boatster. Now, Aaron, before we, uh, we sort of wind the show down, I believe that you have an announcement to make regarding the next conven- convening of the International Computer Club. Oh, boat. I'm glad you mentioned that, my friend. So, uh, the uh, first meeting of the ICC was pretty well received. And yes. so, we've decided to, uh, with s- some coaxing, to have another round. Uh, and we have decided on uh, Saturday, December 12th, boat, that will be the day that the deal is done. I believe we're going to go again at uh, 5 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time, hurricane time, mm-hmm. if you're from the state, the home state. Uh, and we'll go on. The last one went about three hours, so we're going to say that this time around, and it could be a little shorter, but almost certainly won't be any longer. Uh, if you are a member of the uh, Amigos Discord, including all of our friends from the Pixel Gaiden show and all uh, Jack Flax people from uh, Sprite Castle, uh, please uh, sign up and for a demonstration slot. Uh, Boat has posted the sign-up sheet in the international uh computer club discord channel hop in there uh if you'd like to show off a project you're up to show off your game room show off your uh collection of box games show off your console games show off whatever you want if you just modded something whatever it is you want to show off and we're down it's a wide open boat we, we yeah. don't, we'll do anything uh but sign up uh, on the sheet, the sheet's real simple. Just a couple questions in there about how long you figure you need and what when in the show you want to go on. Because we know that people in different parts of the world are going to be staying up late or getting up early, depending on where you are. So, uh, But pop in, sign up. And if you don't want to sign up, uh, feel free to join us uh, on Twitch when we broadcast that. That's open to everybody, Boat. Anyone can show up for it, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, one more quick item. Well, special shout-out to our good buddy, the slow Norris. Mm. Slow Norris sent boat a a boat sized load of old Atari mags. In I am, the mail. I'm chomping at the bit to get my hands on these bad boys. Yeah. And he sent me a USB blaster, which I'm hopefully going to use to update the Unamiga when my gimmick shows up from Edu. So there you go, boat. That's all I got on announcements. Awesome, cool. All right. Well, uh, we should probably thank all of our fine folks here, Aaron, that subscribe to our channel on the Twitch. Um, we, uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on Twitch, uh, either through Amazon Prime, if you're a Prime customer, or just out of the kindness of your heart. Every little bit helps. Uh, just like Edvin Helland, Hermsky, 
Eeyore 4077, Neg Saul, Retro Jerry, Jigglebox, Zorglub 45, Pints and Amiga, Wing Chun Wolf, Treyguard 82, Old Bee Sturgeon, Z9K9, Bark Bit, Frodo NL, Amiga Live, RMC Retro, Johnny Renegade, Gary Heather, Uber Scuba Diver, The Slow Norse, Rushi, MSX, Mitsuyama, 48K Ram, Buck Owens, Brock 101, and Hamo 1. And a special thank you to Buck Owens, who celebrates his 12-month streak of being a uh, Twitch subscriber. Congratulations and thank you, Buck Owens. Yes, yeah. Buck, and Buck's got a, uh, does some great streaming of his own, so check him mm. out. Yes. All right, Aaron. Last week, we mixed it up a little bit on the old Patreon song challenge. Uh, we had uh, the it was actually a medley of tunes. Aaron, do you, did, did you do you remember last week's? Oh, last God, week's? no. <laughs> no, I don't remember what I did yesterday. It was actually a medley of tunes from the hit 1960s Broadway musical Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, very gutsy to even attempt something like that, Boat. Yeah. Now, most people got that uh, that this was a uh, they most of them uh, answered if I were a rich man, which is probably the, the most famous tune included in the in my medley. However, Frodo and L nailed all of the songs in the medley. Frodo and L actually a former actor himself that appeared live on stage as the title character Topol, otherwise known as Tevier. In Fiddler on the Roof. He ran wow. that show. He was right there on the poster, his name up in lights. So Frodo and L, obviously a veteran of stage and screen, got all the songs there. Very impressive, Frodo. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to thank everybody else that got their correct answer, though. Hermsky was right in there. Pixels at Dawn, Paul Kitching, Gary Heather, CBM Nut, and Mitsuyama. Thank you, guys. You, uh, your, your knowledge of Broadway continues to amaze and astound. Indeed. All right. If you know this week's Patreon song challenge, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com, and I will be happy to read your name as a winner on the air next episode. <clears throat> Heavy Systems Inc. Bundy Frag Lord Mark Byland Olaf Hermski Jonah a.k.a. Simulant, Jeremy Jones, Ethan Little, Alien, Breeder, Dave, Velociraptor, Cowbird, Boy, Lane, Denson, Luke, Hudson, John, Cook, Bomb, The Base, Roshi, Frodo, in El Sol, Incisor, Tech, Mace, Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorglub, Commodore, Kid, Reflection, Simon, Let's Cap and Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Gary, Have the Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Minator, 10 Minute Amiga, Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, Retroman Cave, Tim Drew, Timon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle, Edda, Rob O'Hara, Matthew, Lara Moore, Andy Craig, Shonzo, Bark, Bid, Roland, Burke, Andrew Monk, Show, Zombie, Leaf, Kalon, Alan, Kebab, Chicote, Level, or John Marshall, Matthew Pound, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy, Dead Boy, Figgy, CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan, Sorgon, Mortensen, Edvin, Helen, Blindo, 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi, Abbott, Chris, Foles, Dreamcatcher, Lauren, Giroux, Graham, Vebke, Adam, Battersby, O'Brien's, Retro and Vintage, Gary, Hucker, Paul, Harrington, Duncan, Styles, Tapes, From the Crypt, Josh, and Adam, Bradley, Jonas, Rulo, T. H.T. Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy, Humberchad, Daniel, Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. That was beautiful, Boat. Thank you. Thank you. I had it on mute, of course. <laughs> I love control. Next week, Aaron, <laughs> it is public domination <laughs> once again. Oh, it seems like minute. this. Yeah, I know. I know. It seems like we do this every other week, but, but it's, it's somehow we're rolled around again. We're doing public domination and then we're doing the Halloween show. Yeah, back to it's back. It's going to be back to back fantastic oh. shows that are oh. definitely never horrible experiences oh, for everyone no. involved. So get well, get ready because maybe this will lift your spirits, Aaron, because the first game we're going to be playing is called Mr. Men Olympics.
That does lift my spirits. I don't know why. Okay. And then the other game that we're going to play is Star Trek The Game. Public domain, you say? Yes. Let me ask you. Has a system, computer, calculator, or or, or abacus ever been released that didn't have some sort of Star Trek game? (laughs) No. No. Because if there's one thing computer learners love, it's the Trek. So... I also, of course, before we go, want to thank all of our fine, fine users. Users is not the correct word. Listeners. <laughs> That's what Brit says. <laughs> I've been what listening to too much ARD Presents is my problem. <laughs> um, I want to thank uh, the Dunk, Duncan Styles, and Pixels at Dawn Gaming for doing a fantastic job moderating, as always, keeping the chat in line. Uh, and, of course, we've got uh, Tenmark with us. 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. Check out his videos. Maybe one day he'll do another Amiga video, although it's doubtful. Amiga Gamer 1200 is here with us. Awkward Aardvark. Barkbit is here from Savedon. Brock 101. Buck Owens, 12-month himself. Co-Brian, Commander Root, Drummer. Edvin Helland, live in the man cave, drinking a beer. Mm. Aeor 4077. Uh, we got Figgy, 78, Frodo and L, Jigglebox, Hamo1, Hermski, Lara, Jason Warns, L, Curtis, B, Lord Soup, Lurks, Mitsuyama, Paul Kitching, Picard 2010, Princess League, R-Typer, Ricky DeRocher, Scum to the TV, Tamo Tamo Wiz, VNK, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much well for recording, being on the recording, being with us live as we do this. That really makes the show a lot more fun having, having activity in the old chat. Much more frightening, too. Yes, yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show, Aaron. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time for Mr. Men Olympics and Star Trek The Game. Until next week, adios. adios.